Hi, and welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. My name is Cassandra Wilder, and I'm a naturopathic doctor and a women's cyclical health expert. This podcast is a space where we demystify all of the bad hormone advice we've been given and instead get back down to the foundations. Your dream of regular, pain-free periods, balanced hormones, and vibrant energy is within reach. Join me and other incredible experts here every single Monday for conversations that are sure to be life-changing. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. If you're on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or just about anywhere, I'm sure you've seen people talking about nervous system regulation and like me, you've probably wondered what that really means. There have been many stressful times in my life when I just knew my nervous system felt very shot, when I felt anxious, overwhelmed, you know, when my stress resiliency felt super low and any little inconvenience could send me over the edge, right? I mean, we've all been there. (laughs) We all know what that feels like. And that's why I'm really excited about today's episode to really talk with an expert about nervous system healing and regulation and what little things each of us can do every day to really love on and support our nervous system. I really, really enjoyed this interview with Lindsay Dorka. She is an occupational therapist and a women's stress, anxiety, and mindset coach. And when I look at her Instagram, I feel like I take a deep breath because everything she shares is so gentle and supportive and just feels like an invitation to regulate and balance. Speaking of regulation, if those couple weeks before your period are really intense and you are struggling with anxiety, overwhelm, irritability, sadness, you name it, jubilance may be an amazing solution for you. Thousands of women around the world use jubilance to live PMS-free and the studies don't lie. In just one month of jubilance, women saw a significant relief of PMS-related symptoms like irritability, sadness, stress, and anxiety. You can try jubilance with $10 off with code cyclical, and remember it comes with free shipping and a 100% money-back guarantee. You can find the link below in the show notes or just go to jubilance.com. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So many people were really excited when I said that I'm bringing on an expert on nervous system regulation and someone that can really speak to the pattern that so many of us struggle with, which is the burnout, overwhelm, stress pattern. But it's so normalized, right? To Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, stay in this rat race and hustle and then make social media look like everything's perfect. Um, I imagine you became an expert in this realm because of your own experience. Can you tell me about that? Absolutely, yeah. So um, I guess before I even kind of started experiencing all of this stuff myself, um, I've worked in healthcare for the past 10 years. I have a background as an occupational therapist and, you know, the variety of settings I've worked in, um, a large portion of just illness that, you know, a lot of my clients have had is just rooted in chronic stress. Um, and then I became a mom. Uh, my daughter will be six at the end of November and man, that was a lot more than I anticipated, mm-hmm. um, becoming a mom <laughs> and, you know, then going back to work full time in a hospital setting. Um, I was working in a hospital when the pandemic started. Um, and so just really kind of went into this significant phase of burnout. Um, it was awful. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I kind of had all of these mental health struggles and physical symptoms. And it's completely changed my life to work through all of that. And so, you know, I was like, so many other women are dealing with this and they just normalize it. Like you said, right. They normalize Mm -hmm. this rat race. They normalize the grind and it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and it also shouldn't be that way if we really want to focus on our health and longevity. Love that. And so relatable. I think all of us, especially the last few years, understand that burnout phase. But I think a lot of us are struggling to find that balance again. A lot Mm -hmm. of us, our nervous system is still a little fried. At least that's what I imagine. I think of absolutely you get electrocuted and your hair is like frizzy and frazzled. (laughs) (laughs) That's 
how I feel at least when I can tell that I'm overwhelmed and stressed and like struggling to find that grounded, peaceful yeah, state. Absolutely. I, I think, yeah, the past few years have just wreaked havoc on so many people. Yeah, it's been rough. <laughs> yes, for sure. Now, how would you kind of explain what it looks like to have your nervous system in that stress state? Are there examples of what that would look like physically or mentally or behavior wise? Yeah, actually, I've got a lot of examples. So when we're thinking more on the physical lines of things, um, a lot of people can have kind of this chronic muscle tension or chronic aches and pains. So things like headaches, migraines, TMJ, low back pain. Um, a lot of my clients and people will have difficulty sleeping or insomnia. They'll kind of feel this overwhelming fatigue, low energy, a lot of gut problems, skin conditions, hormonal imbalances are rooted in stress. Um, and then if we think like cardiovascular health, um, blood pressure issues, you have a higher risk of stroke and heart attack. Um, and if you find yourself getting sick a lot, so this was me a few years ago, I, my daughter was in daycare and it was like, no matter, I mean, she brought home colds all the time and it was like, shouldn't I already be immune to all of these? <laughs> like I've had right. them before in my life. Um, and my husband wasn't getting sick and I just got sick like time and time and time again. So if you're getting sick a lot and it takes you a while to recover, um, or even if you're, you know, dealing with an autoimmune condition, um, all of those are more of the physical signs that your body is just chronically stressed. Um, mm -hmm. when we're thinking more along the lines of kind of emotional and cognition, we're thinking like feelings of agitation, frustration, um, like we have a short fuse. You might feel like you're on edge all the time. Um, a lot of my clients feel like they're in this state of constant worry or kind of have this low level of constant anxiety. Um, you might have a really hard time relaxing and feeling like you can turn off your brain. Um, yeah. You might be short-tempered and easy to anger. You also might feel like you're isolated and alone and kind of dealing with these struggles and no one else's. Um, I think another big piece is brain fog. So, you know, kind of that difficulty focusing and concentrating, like you can't find the words in your head. Um, all of those are a lot of the more mental signs. And then, when we're thinking about behaviorally, what that might show up as, you might snap at your loved ones way more easily. Um, you might find yourself procrastinating a lot. Um, nervous habits like biting your nails or fidgeting, decreased sex drive. You might have more cravings for salty or sweet foods. You might sleep too much or sleeping too little. You might feel like you need that extra caffeine just to keep you going through the day. Um, a lot of people will use frequently something like alcohol as a way to unwind. And that's really the only way they know how to unwind. Mm -hmm. You might also just easily overreact to like the stupid small things. You're like, why did that why did that trigger me? Right. Mm. Um, and we tend to kind of ha have this tendency to overdo it with things like exercise or, you know, your work in general. Yeah. It's a pretty staggering list. <laughs> it, it is. It is. And, you know, what's crazy though is like you hear all of that. And all of those things are so common. Yeah, literally all of For them. For everyone. <laughs> yeah. And different coping mechanisms are normalized. Like so many, I mean, I see these like funny reels on Instagram all the time, right? Where it's like mom having a giant glass of wine every night to wind yes. down after the kids go to bed. And so it's normalized to numb out, not necessarily... Yes like restore and rebalance. 
Absolutely. Yes. The numbing out with, like you said, alcohol or scrolling on social media or uh, a lot of people love to binge watch a show on Netflix, right? A lot of that is just more kind of escaping your reality. And like you said, it's not really restorative activities for you. And yet it's so hard to not do it. I find myself scrolling, especially, you know, I have a 10 month old, so Mm -hmm. some days are (laughs) intense. And it's like, internally, I know, oh, I could go like sit outside in the grass or I could, I could lay down and take a nap or I could do so many different things that I know would be more nourishing. And yet what do I do? I sit there and scroll Instagram for an hour and then he wakes up and I feel stressed out still. Right. Cause I didn't do anything to actually support my nervous system. Right. And so one, you're not alone in this, right? This is the majority of us. I and myself am still guilty of that. And I don't think it's a bad thing, right? If you do it here and there, but the problem is that most of us are doing that on the daily. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually there's like a couple of reasons this tends to happen. One, when we do things like that, we're getting these artificial hits of dopamine. So it feels good while we're doing it. Um, and so we kind of almost develop this like dopamine addiction. Um, like, oh, we want to feel that rush again. So we just keep doing it. And the other thing is that we're almost using it as a, a protective mechanism, um, like a distraction technique so that we don't have to deal with what we're feeling, or we don't have to deal with whatever is hard for us. And so really it is just a coping mechanism. Right. And what's great though, is like that can be changed and shifted. Um, you just have to take the steps to do that. And that's why we're all here. We're all like, okay, so how do we we do that? (laughs) Right. But maybe first you can explain, you know, what would it even look like or mean to have a regulated nervous system since probably 99% of us listening here feel like everything you've just described, all the symptoms match. We're numbing out with Netflix or our phones. What does the opposite actually even look like? Yeah, that's a great question. And so I think a lot of people hear nervous system regulation and they're like, oh, that means I'm going to be calm all the time. And that's not the reality. And that's actually not what we're going for. Um, When you have a regulated nervous system, basically what that means is if you experience something that is stressful to you, you have the flexibility and adaptability to move between various states of arousal in response to that stressor without feeling so incredibly overwhelmed. But also once that stressor is gone, you're then able to come out of survival mode. You're not staying stuck in this survival state, which is truthfully what is happening with most of us. We, we stay like, you know, for instance, you're 10 month old, right? Maybe he's screaming (laughs) and you're just so overwhelmed. And even once he's done, your system is still in this fight or flight mode. It is still freaking out. Um, So when you have a regulated nervous system, you can experience the fight or flight when that's happening. And that's an appropriate response. That's what should be happening. But then once it's done, you're not still feeling overwhelmed. You're not still feeling drained by it. You have the capacity to just more easily move on and kind of go back about your day. Does that make sense? Totally. And I think that also paints how often that doesn't happen. It seems Mm -hmm. like for most of us, it's like we just keep sticking these bricks of overwhelm on our shoulders Yeah, and the bricks never fall off. And so, yeah, like you said, by the end of the day, when your kid doesn't eat dinner or something, it's just like cherry on top. Yeah, You can't handle another thing that's not going right. And then you crumble. Yeah. Freak out and then crumble. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. So having a balanced nervous system then is about resiliency and being able to handle what comes your way without going to the extreme, uh, I guess, overwhelm. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's not this, I'm going to be calm all day. I'm going to be neutral. Like you're supposed to get activated by things that's appropriate. Um, 
But like I said, you want to be able to come back down. And then you also want to learn how to not overreact to things that are small, right? So um, there's, there's a phrase called the window of tolerance. And what that means is when you have a narrow window of tolerance, there's not a lot you can tolerate. A lot of things are going to trigger you to feel really overwhelmed and stressed and anxious. And so when we can make that window of tolerance wider, you're just going to have the capacity to handle more things with ease. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to just not laugh right now because <laughs> I'm like thinking of like people on social media, you know, that gets so mad about like anything. Like, oh, yes. like if someone has a cat and the cat's in the yard, people are like freaking out, like your cat's going to die. Your cat's going to yes. get run over by a car. Like it just, it's hard to not laugh to just think like, wow, collectively, like the world's nervous system is feeling pretty shot. It's a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yes. So what does that look like then to balance a nervous system, especially since for most people, probably their entire lives, starting in their early childhood, they mm-hmm. didn't have any regulation. Plus they learned unhealthy coping mechanisms. And so- I feel like that's where most of us are. We like know that there's another way, but it feels kind of out of reach. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is where it's going to be different for every person, right? Because we all have different backgrounds, you know, the things that triggered us when we grew up are different. But the first step for a lot of us is establishing kind of what safety feels like in our nervous system. And for me, that was really hard to do because I was in survival mode for so long that actually going into a safe mode felt really scary. (laughs) Like it almost didn't feel safe. So sometimes we have to titrate that, but when you are regulated, um, when, when you're in what we call a ventral vagal state or a safe and social state, you just feel like you have the capacity to handle what life throws at you. Um, you feel like you can regulate your emotions well. You feel like you can communicate with others with ease. It's just, it's really about more feeling more peace and ease and flow with whatever is happening around you. And you have to feel what that feels like first. So then you can recognize all the times in the day when you're not feeling like that. Yeah. And from there, then we can kind of address your life and what's happening and be like, okay, well, why is that thing triggering you? Like, what about it, right? Um, A lot of it comes down to internally kind of our beliefs and our expectations and our views on the world. It's not always so much, you know, oh, my job is stressful or my partner, like our relationship is super stressful right now. A lot of it comes down to internally how we are viewing those things. Interesting. And I think you had a post kind of about that, that really stood out to me where you were like self-care and bubble baths and breath work, like they're cool and all, Mm -hmm. but they don't do a whole lot. If your internal, you know, mindset and views and beliefs and expectations still in, you know, dysregulation, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And so like you said, those things can feel really great in the moment, right? But then, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I used to do these things, I'd go back to my life and I'm like, okay, well, nothing else, nothing's changed. (laughs) So here I am feeling stressed and overwhelmed again. And, you know, there, there is a couple of reasons for this. One, like you just said, you're not addressing the underlying reasons, like why you're actually stressed, right? But two, you also have to 
address the fact that you've potentially been living in survival mode. So we need to get your body out of survival mode. And we can do that with a lot of like body-based practices. Um, I don't know if you've heard down of bottom-up approaches and top-down approaches before. No, tell us about it. Yeah. So a top-down approach when we're thinking about healing, I guess, um, is when we're thinking about brain-based or mindset-based things, right? So that's great. Um, A lot of like talk therapy is very mind-based. And then when we're thinking a bottom-up approach, we are addressing healing through our body. And when you want to overcome stress and this chronic nervous system dysregulation, you need a combination of both. Because if your body is living in fight or flight, while you're trying to do all of this mindset work, the mindset work is going to have a much harder time of sticking. Mm -hmm. So if we could first kind of get you out of fight or flight into safety with some body-based practices, sometimes this is, you know, this can be lots of different things. um, But maybe like some grounding practices or meditation or um, a really gentle yoga practice, something to just bring you into your body to create that feeling of safety. And then when you do the mindset work, the um, emotional regulation, it's just going to, it's setting you up for way more success. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think, is it the same approach if you're trying to heal and rebalance on like a large scale versus like in the moment, something really triggered you and you need something immediately to try to regulate yourself? Are you doing kind of the same thing? Yeah. I mean, it, it really does depend on like how you cope and what you need, but I would say in general, yes. So I'm trying to think of an example. So like if let's say, um, you were almost in a car accident or something, and obviously that's going to feel really stressful. Right. So a lot of people, like I think back, I've been haven't actually been in a car accident, but I've almost been in several. And, you know, typically in the past, I'm like, you feel that stress response in your body, right? It's like, you feel that fear, your heart is racing, your hands might be sweaty, your stomach is in knots, you might feel like you're breathing super shallow. And, but as soon as it's over, I would just try to be like, all right, you're fine. Like, you're okay. Like, just tell myself I'm okay. And then like, I don't know, turn on some music that I like or something and go about my day. Um, The problem with that is we haven't allowed ourselves to kind of finish the stress response. And so when we don't finish it, we're actually prolonging it and we're creating more internal physiologic stress. So what I like to do now in, you know, a situation like that is I want to turn towards my body first. And you can even do this while you're driving, right? So I might just tune in to like, what do my hands feel like on this steering wheel? Can I, do I need to do some, you know, progressive muscle tensing followed by relaxation to kind of help myself feel less tense, kind of feel that jitteriness leave my body. Um, And then once I start to feel more calm, I can sort of process my thoughts and how I felt about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's interesting to hear you use that specific example because that just happened to me a couple of weeks ago where I was within inches of someone, the lanes were merging and apparently they didn't see that I had my turn signal on for like 60 seconds. (laughs) And, um, but anyway, so after it happened, I was shaking, you know, my baby was in the car. So obviously it was like very personal for me to Mm -hmm. think like, wow, you literally almost hurt me or my baby. And, um, I was so activated. And so finally I just pulled over because I was so shaky and so, um, just tense. Yeah. And, 
Yeah, it was interesting. I look probably looked really interesting to everyone else driving by, but <laughs> I literally had to like shake and jump up and yes. down. And then I had all this emotion come up and it was surprising because like, obviously I was okay. We didn't get in a car accident, but it was like, I needed that somatic physical release. And had I just kept yeah. driving, I think it just would have been stored and probably later would have all resurfaced when the next triggering thing happened. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned like you needed to stand up and shake, right? A lot of times when we're in a really activating situation like that, we almost need to give our body what it wants, mm -hmm. right? So if you're feeling like jittery and shaky, like shake. <laughs> um, animals actually do this in the wild all the time. Um Sometimes when our kids are younger, I don't know if I'm trying to remember if my daughter did this before, you know, she was toddler age, but when they're crying and crying and crying, and then when they finally settle, you can almost feel them kind of do this quick little shake, like, oh, like I've settled, right? Um, it's a natural instinct, but a lot of times we've learned to dull those instincts or to ignore them. A lot of times because we're worried about, you know, if we're out in public, like, what we look like, mm -hmm. which is fair, right? You're not, you're not always in a situation where you can do these big, crazy body movements. Um, but we, we can teach you smaller ones that, you know, people aren't going to stare at you and be like, what, what is she doing? So yeah, really, really important. yeah, we should normalize this stuff though. It should be like <laughs> socially <laughs> acceptable to just like get up and like shake and do whatever you got to do no matter yes. where you are. <laughs> right. I know. Right. Like kids can do whatever they want. Exactly. And they've got it all right. And then we teach them like, no, that's not okay. <laughs> but then it does a disservice to us later on in life. Exactly. We learn to just compartmentalize and store everything. And it's everything. no wonder then that, yeah, like high blood pressure and these chronic diseases and everything you mentioned earlier later manifest because it's been years and years and years of suppression. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. It's even interesting for me, you know, in my realm talking so much about hormones, so many women, you know, actually become addicted to running on hormones like cortisol. They get that high, kind of like you said, when we are on our phone or, yeah. you know, we see someone liked our photo or whatever, we get that little dopamine hit and yep. you can get that same hit from cortisol, you know, and it feels good for a while mm -hmm. until it doesn't. <laughs> until it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but we get stuck in that loop where, yeah, I, I sometimes use the analogy. It's like we're a little hamster on a wheel and we're running yeah. and we're running and we're running. And we somehow make up the story that, well, if you stop running, you're going to like fly off or you're going to die or right. something bad's going to happen. So you just keep running until yes. you can't anymore. Until you're forced to stop for some yeah. reason or another. Yeah. yeah. and. I think, you know, again, I don't know if this is a product of social media. I, I like try to think back to, you know, my middle school, high school days when this wasn't a thing and I just can't remember. But, you know, I think we've developed this need to be stimulated all the time that being bored isn't like doesn't feel safe. It feels awkward. It feels uncomfortable. Um, we don't know how to just sit and be present. And it's a skill. We almost have to relearn this skill. But I think what people don't recognize is that when we do, when we actually get restorative rest, we can be so much more productive in other areas of our life. We can physically feel so much better. Mentally, emotionally, everything is just going to function so much better. But we have to get over kind of that initial hump of like being okay with feeling uncomfortable and the slowness. So what would that look like? I think for a lot of us, it's like we'd have to literally schedule do nothing time. Mm -hmm. Because it, yeah, like you said, it would be kind of weird at first, like to think, I'm going to go sit outside for 20 minutes. I bet right. most of us would be like, with without my phone? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, right. What do you want me to do out here? <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. And so, you know, 20 minutes might even be too overwhelming for some people at first. Like it can almost like set off 
some significant anxiety, right? To just sit there. So I've had clients where I'll be like, okay, you're going to meditate three times today for two minutes each. And she's like, that's it. I'm like, yep, that's where we're starting. We're starting mm-hmm. with six minutes today, broken up into two minute increments, right? Um, again, it's just kind of, we have to, we have to titrate it and slowly expose you to it. And once you start doing it, the more and more you do it, the more you're going to start craving that stillness. You, you'll be like, oh, this actually feels really good. But I think, you know, I was talking to a client about this a couple of weeks ago. She, she was like, well, I've tried meditation. I have the call map, but everything is like 30 to 45 minutes. And I just don't have the time to do that. And I was like, okay, let's try five minutes. And she looked at me like I had three heads. She was like, <laughs> what do you mean? I can, I can meditate for five minutes. Like, absolutely. You don't, you don't have to do 30 minutes. That's a lot. Especially if you're a mom and you're a business owner, right? Like we have to start small. Um, I think there, a lot of times there's this all or nothing totally. con, like, you know, kind of mindset. And so I, I like to make things really attainable for my clients, because then one, once you start to feel the benefits of it, then you're going to want to do more of it anyway. I hope we all take that permission you just gave because <laughs> I too get in that mindset where I'm like, well, if I can't do a full hour of yoga, what's the point? Even though yeah. five minutes of stretching obviously would be really beneficial or five minutes Absolutely. of meditation or mm-hmm. two minutes of grounding outside. But we do get into this interesting fixation with like, yeah, it has to be a whole hour. It has to be the largest amount of time possible. Otherwise right. don't bother. Right. And, you know, of course there are research studies that are like, you know, you need this amount of time, right. To see the benefits. And that's not true. Like you can feel the benefits in your body. I'm sure when we're thinking, you know, health factors and all of those things that they're researching. Yes. Like they need to put time on it while they're researching it. And that's where they're seeing the biggest bang for your buck, but you can still see so many benefits from doing little bits throughout your day. And that's truthfully what I did. Um, I I've never had to, I don't think I've ever meditated for 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> that's just, you know, I don't, I don't know. Now I would say I've potentially done what I might call like a walking meditation where I walk outside and I don't take my phone with me and I don't wear my headphones. And so for 20 to 30 minutes, you know, I'm gently moving in my body, but I'm just trying to be aware of my surroundings. And I would consider that meditative, right? So oh, definitely. sometimes it's also just like flipping the script a little bit. Like we can make it what works for you. I really, really like that. I'm glad too you brought up going on a walk without your phone. I've found that's become my decompression time every evening to go on a walk with my son. And yeah, the key though is I don't bring my phone. So no podcasts, Mm -hmm. music, no distractions. So I'll go on a 30 minute walk. And I actually look forward to it all day because for some reason it's easier for me to set that boundary if I know I'm going to leave my phone home. Absolutely. if I'm at home and my phone's on the counter, if I said, okay, for 30 minutes, you can't touch it for some reason, that's a lot harder. Oh, I mean, it's so much harder. Cause it's, it's like that out of sight, out of mind sort of, right. Or like it's physically not there when you're going for a walk. So you, you can't use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually, they've made these, um, what they're called like a lockbox type thing where you could literally lock your phone in it and it, you have to set it for a length of time and you cannot open it until the timer (laughs) is up. So, you know, some people who like really need that might benefit from something like that. Um, But a lot of times if we get to the underlying reasons of why are you feeling the need to check your phone all the time? Right. Are, what are you avoiding or are you searching for that hit of dopamine? Um, you know, whatever it is, if we can help you through that in another way, then you don't always feel like you won't feel like you need it as much. Mm -hmm. Could we walk through like an example of that? So say I was working with you and I was like, Lindsay, I numb out with my phone all the time. 
Mm -hmm. I know I do it, but I can't stop it. How would you respond to that? Yeah. So I think I would first ask you, like, when, when do you find yourself numbing out on your phone? Like, is it certain times of day? Like what, what is happening when you tend to do that? Mm -hmm. So yeah, like when I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. And so are you trying to avoid what you're overwhelmed about? Do you kind of feel paralyzed in indecision? You know, and it might depend on the situation, of course, but I guess like, what do you think you tend to use it for when you're overwhelmed? Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people, they'd probably say something like, I just need an escape. I need to have something else to put on my Mm -hmm. mind because in the moment I feel overwhelmed and I just want to be able to pretend that I'm somewhere else or, or escape into another reality. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of times, unfortunately, the lives that we live, I think they're so hectic. We have to escape them. Yeah. Right. So, you know, for something like that, or like for you, right. If we were working together and you brought this up, I might, I might be like, okay, so instead of saying no phone, because that's, I don't know, sometimes when you say no to something, it makes it this like thing dangling in front of you that like you have to reach towards. (laughs) Right. Um, I would say, okay, so before you do that, can you, I love this. It's called surrendering and letting go. Um, but can you tune into your body and just let yourself feel whatever's happening when you're overwhelmed? Um, again, a lot of times we want to escape those uncomfortable feelings, but feelings, they're called feelings for a reason. They need to be felt. And feelings all have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And if we shove them down, push them aside, distract ourselves from them, they're still there in the background, right? But if we let ourselves feel the sensations that are accompanied by them, they'll dissipate. And our mind will be so much clearer. So this is, again, this is kind of a meditative practice, but, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed, I would ask you to, can you just focus on your breath first? You don't even have to close your eyes. Wherever you are, just focus on your breath and then feel what does overwhelmed feel like in your body? And it's going to be different for everyone, but it might feel like tension in your shoulders, tightness in your chest. Um, you might notice that you're breathing a little more shallow and just calmly pay attention to those sensations without focusing on all of the thoughts swirling in your head. Cause that's really where we get into trouble is, you know, we have all of these thoughts and we're these, what if type questions or, you know, whatever scenario is happening. And that just kind of ramps up that overwhelm even more. So if we can instead shift our focus to kind of the somatic sensations that are coming up with those emotions, it'll pass so much more quickly. And after that, if you still want to go look at your phone, go ahead, right? But then you're already more present and grounded in the moment. Um, And you probably won't feel the need to be on it for as long because you're not going to feel as overwhelmed. It sounds so simple. It's, it's amazing simple, how simple it's it is. It's not easy though. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is. It is simple. Um, so when I first started practicing this, I literally would set a timer for two minutes um, because any more than that was just like, well, I don't know. That feels too much. Um, now I've gotten to the point where, you know, I was my daughter started kindergarten last week. It was kind of, it was very emotional for all of us. Um, and I was feeling a lot of anxiety and overwhelm with the amount of outbursts that she was having at home. And so I just let myself sit for 20 minutes one day and just like let myself feel. And I just, I sobbed and 
I, I don't want to say it was great, but it was, it was great. Like I just felt so much better and so much more peace. And then I could interact with my daughter better. Like I wasn't getting irritated with her. Um, a lot of times, you know, there's that saying that what we resist persists, right? And that is very much the case with our emotions. If we resist them, they're going to make themselves known in any way that they can. Definitely. And they just keep, you know, they start with a whisper and then they get louder and louder and louder until they're yelling. Yes. Yes. What um, kind of somatic practices do you feel like would be valuable for everyone to have in their little toolbox for these moments of overwhelm where we're all consciously like, okay, instead of just picking up the remote to watch Netflix or instead of going and grabbing a glass of wine, what can I do first to regulate? I love that. So I think breathing is always a really easy, accessible one. Um, My favorite breathing technique is called four, seven, eight breathing. And so with that, you inhale for four seconds, you hold for seven seconds, and then you exhale for eight seconds. And you would complete that five to 10 times. Now, what I want to say is a lot of times when we hear, you know, take a deep breath or do some breathing, we almost hyperventilate because we use so much effort to take this giant inhale. Um, So don't do that. I just want your breathing to be nice and gentle, and that will make it feel less overwhelming to hold your breath and to do an extended exhale. But that's a really, really, really great practice. I do that all the time when I'm driving. Um, If my daughter is, God forbid, throwing a tantrum in the store, like I'll use that one all the time because no one sees, like no one can know what you're doing. (laughs) It's a great one. Mm -hmm. Um, Some other somatic practices are, so a lot of times people hear the word grounding and all of my clients are like, so you want me to go put my feet in the grass? I'm like, well, that's one way to ground. Absolutely. That's not always accessible to us. So another way to ground into your body is to just do some simple little tasks with your body and pay attention to what's happening. So let's say maybe you're at work and you're in a meeting, it's really stressful. Um, While you're sitting there, no one has to really know what's happening. You can do things like scrunch up your toes really hard and then relax them. Pay attention to what it feels like. You can place your hands on your knees and just gently kind of squeeze your thighs as you walk up towards your hips, right? You're just paying attention to those sensations. You can make a fist really hard and then relax it. That's a good one. Um, Another really great practice is to kind of like give yourself a hug, right? So you can wrap your arms around yourself. So you're kind of just like grabbing the opposite upper arm and you can give yourself a gentle squeeze. You can even do a gentle like rotation or rock back and forth. Like think about the things that you would do for your 10 month old, right? Like what helps him Mm -hmm. calm down? Um, A lot of us, we almost need to soothe our inner child in a sense. Those are some of my favorites that are just like really easy and accessible. Those sounds so nice. I like the hugging one Mm -hmm. a lot. It feels so good. And it's beautiful. You just reminded, you know, everyone of that inner child piece, because yeah, if my son was crying, I wouldn't be like, here, watch a phone or something like, you know, like, (laughs) obviously I'm going to hold him and, you know, kiss him and remind him everything's okay. Like it's so innate, obviously. Yeah. But we don't give ourselves that same tender love. We're like, suck it up. (laughs) Right. Right. And I think actually that you brought that up, like a huge piece of nervous system regulation is self-compassion. And we have so much, hopefully, compassion for others, but we often have very limited compassion for ourselves, right? We place these crazy expectations on ourselves. 
But if we treat ourselves like you treat your son or, you know, some of the words that we say to ourselves were so critical, like what would you say to your absolute best friend in the same situation? That's how you should be talking mm-hmm. to yourself, right? Instead of all of this negative language that's mm-hmm. in in effect just activating your stress response further. Yeah. You shouldn't be feeling this way. You should be stronger. You should, at least that's right. where my negative mind will go in those moments is the should. Right. Absolutely. And what would be more helpful is to acknowledge whatever you're feeling is okay. And all humans go through this in some way, shape or form. Right. And then just ask yourself, like, what do you need to feel comforted? And if that's a hard question, then I start with, okay, what would you give someone that you love to comfort them and then give that to yourself? So beautiful. Yeah. I think we all need that. Absolutely. Um, I also wanted to ask you about kind of a misconception where sometimes when I talk about stress or burnout with clients, especially, they look at me like, but Cassandra, like if I, whatever, like take time to breathe and try to focus on my nervous system, how am I still going to show up and be productive? How do you Mm -hmm. balance those two things? And I'm sure since you're a mom, you're a business owner, you (laughs) figured out some of this. So tell us what you know. Yeah. And so the first thing is that you can absolutely still be productive. You can absolutely still get a lot of things done, but you can feel better doing it. Um, But I also want, I had to do this and a lot of my clients end up doing this too. Like you kind of need to reevaluate what does productive actually mean to you. And even though you can get everything done, should you? get everything done, right? Like, Mm -hmm. is that best for you and how you want to feel and how you want to show up? Um, But I think what people don't realize is that when you adequately rest and when you take breaks, when you work on your nervous system and you create more of that resiliency, you're going to have, but your capacity to be productive is actually going to be higher. You're going to be able to think more clearly. You're going to be able to get into kind of that flow state or that creative state more easily. This is when, you know, when you're, when you're more regulated, you're going to be able to come up with ideas and solutions way more easily. So you don't actually spend as much time kind of doing all of these hard tasks when you're more regulated. So it's often super necessary to learn how to slow down in order to develop the capacity to accomplish everything without also becoming burnout by it. Interesting. Again, that feels really freeing to think mm-hmm. about it in that lens. Yeah, right? Because then it's like, oh, I don't have to just do more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of times you just have to give yourself permission to rest, right? I think there's this idea in our culture. It's like, well, have I done enough to rest? And I kind of like to look at it. Well, like, have I rested enough to be doing what what I need to do? Oh, that's good. Right? And it's hard. I mean, it's a, it's a hard switch. Like, it's hard to flip the switch. Um, but it really, like it really feels so much more amazing. And you, you do like, you're then able to show up better in all of your roles when you take care of yourself in that way. I'm like literally going to try to imprint that into my brain. <laughs> Love <laughs> to it. Delete the like, but did you earn this? And instead be like, but have I rested enough to have the capacity to do this? Right. Yeah. It's a huge shift mm-hmm. for sure. Mm, That is like gold. I really like that. (laughs) Love it. Well, as we start to come to a close in our episode, what other little pieces would you share to someone who's really feeling overwhelmed, anxious, maybe struggles 
to even stop for a minute, you know, because they're so overwhelmed and they're so used to needing something to keep them busy. What kind of information or wisdom could you share with this person that could make the most impact? Oh, geez. Um, let's think here. So I think a lot of times women like that, you know, they've probably been told by someone if they're feeling this way, kind of chronically, like, well, you need to manage your stress, right? What does that mean? Um, and I, I don't know about you, but when I used to hear that phrase, I'm like, well, I can't get rid of my stress. Like, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. And so I want you to know that the goal is never to get rid of stress. That's not realistic. It's, it's actually not a good thing. Stress is a good thing to have. The problem is just that when you are living in this stressed out state all the time, that's not good for you, right? So it doesn't have to be hard to learn to manage your stress. It it doesn't have to be super time consuming to learn how to manage your stress. Um, We just have to kind of make some simple tweaks. And yes, it takes a lot of practice and repetition, but it doesn't have to feel like this, you know, additional overwhelming task on your to-do list. Um, And it really is amazing what can happen once you start to come out of that chronic survival mode. That's beautifully said. And I think a nice change from, yeah, I think what everyone hears all the time is like, well, you need to manage your stress. And I've had so many clients in the past be like, what do you want me to do? Like quit my job? Like it's, right, I can't right. escape some, some amount of this stress. So like, how do I actually make changes? Um, I think your question answered that really, or your response answered that really well. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this has been such a beautiful conversation, Lindsay, and I'd love for you to share where everyone can connect with you and learn more from you, especially if this episode really, really spoke to them. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm very active on Instagram. Um, You can find me at wellbeing underscore with underscore Lindsay. Um, That's spelled with an A-Y. And then my website is just wellbeingwithlindsay.com. And I would love to connect with you. Um, happy to chat in the DMs. However, however you want to reach out, feel free. Beautiful. Well, thank you so, so much. And for everyone thank listening. Thank you. Yeah. For everyone listening, if you love this episode, you can tag Lindsay and I on your stories. We love to see when these episodes really touch you. Or if there was a specific gem that really stood out, send us a message and we'd love to hear about it. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week and I'll catch you next week on the Cyclical Podcast.